McGurk! I love not typing. Not with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther? It's not just Lena being mean? No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. It's so fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Yeah! Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And we are live and wired on the DC TV podcast YouTube channel on the Supergirl Radio Facebook page to discuss the animated feature film from 2013. This is a 10-year-old film now that we are going to be discussing (laughs) titled Justice League The Flashpoint Paradox. Why this film and why now? It is 10 years old. Why revisit it now? Well, Why not? <laughs> those are great questions, and I think it's very valid because we are a Supergirl podcast, and uh, Supergirl's not in this film. So uh, that's a insultingly, great... <laughs> excuse me, where is Supergirl? That's what I asked myself the whole film. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do have a question about that, so we can get into that. But uh, the reason we are going to be discussing this here on Supergirl Radio is that the Flash movie featuring Sasha Kajay's Supergirl uh, and this film, this animated feature film, Justice League, the Flashpoint Paradox, are both adaptations of the Flashpoint storyline in DC Comics. So because that was recently in uh theaters uh, a couple of months ago uh <laughs> we uh, are going to be talking about that to kind of compare and contrast and uh talk about some things we might have learned or what what we liked or didn't like about these two adaptations um and also morgan had never seen it and so that was also one of the reasons that we uh were going to talk about it because one of our listeners uh kind of called us out for not having talked about it before so uh now we are we're doing it we're here. We're doing here it. We are <laughs> thriving. So let's get right into it. We are going to discuss Justice League, the Flashpoint Paradox. If you've seen the animated feature film, uh, please share your thoughts in the chat along with us. Well, the episode description or the episode description, the movie description. This is a feature film, not an episode of a television show. The description from Max reads, quote, Flash tries to restore his original timeline when a ripple creates a fractured universe, unquote. So I guess that does sort of explain it. There's a lot going on that happens before and after that. Uh, but but I think that captures the essence of the story pretty well. Uh, so, Morgan, we've we've seen the Flash movie and the Flash movie's adaptation of Flashpoint. And now we've seen... Uh, the Flashpoint Paradox, this animated version. Also, we I don't know. Did you watch the Flashpoint on uh, the Grant Gustin TV show as well? Did I did. See- okay. I remember that because that was season, I want to say three or four. Three, beginning of season three. Yeah. So I, I didn't that far. Okay. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've seen all these adaptations of Flashpoint. Uh, so what do you think the, uh, the big similarities and differences are? Which one do you, were there good, uh, good versions and bad versions for you? Yeah, you know what? I guess there were. Um, unfortunately, while I like the Flash TV show, 
I would probably peg that into one of the poorer versions of the Flashpoint uh, storyline because it felt like they were like really excited to do Flashpoint and then they kind of did it and then they're like, I mean, we can't do this for like a while. (laughs) We got to reset it back to status quo. But we have there have to be some long term consequences. (laughs) What if. And this is going to be like the wildest thing that's ever happened on television. Like a baby girl just like didn't either didn't exist or became a baby boy. I don't know. We'll workshop it. (laughs) It's going to be very traumatic for everyone involved. And everybody in the, I guess the writer's room was like, yeah, no, that's going to be messed up. Uh, But I think that's (laughs) that's just like Atlantis and uh, just Mascara fighting a a global war against each other. Just like it. It felt the same. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I feel like the, uh, the TV version didn't, didn't want to do it for too long. And then like really didn't want to get into the like repercussions. And also, you know, the TV version was part of the Arrowverse, which was a, you know, a connection of interconnected shows. But also, you know, those other shows wanted to do their own thing. They were like, you know, I don't want to do the like the, you know, the Flashpoint version of our universe or whatever for, you know, half like four months, uh, which is fair. So and they, you know, they didn't have access to uh, to an Aquaman, to a Momoa, if you will, <laughs> to a Gagado, if you if you must. So uh, so I think that they were their hands are a little tied. Uh, but I do think like having seen a couple of different versions now the tv show version was like the version where like they kind of did it but then they kind of gave up so between the flash movie and the flashpoint paradox what did you think were the strengths and weaknesses there that's interesting because we talked a lot about the flash movie we talked so much we talked about the flash multiple movie. times about the flash movie <laughs> I, say I thought about it a lot since those times it's not it didn't really like linger in the old mind palace um mm. but I would say the things that I liked about the Flash movie is how he sort of like in this animated movie, he makes the choice, but he makes it off screen. And right. We don't really see him. We find out later on, like you you spend most of the movie thinking that this is something that Eobard Fawn did. And then only about like towards the end of the movie, do you realize it's something that Barry did? And it's like a big, a big oopsie that he has to fix. <laughs> Classic Barry Allen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I I I liked the aspect of the movie, the actual uh, live action movie, because it's a it's a choice that he makes, it's a mistake that he makes, and the audience gets to see him make the mistake. And it's also not that the animated version doesn't have like a lot of like emotionality behind it, but it feels like in the live action we get to kind of see a little bit more of his mom. We get to really they really dive deep into like what it means to him to have to make this choice and then to have to reset the choice um, a little bit, a little bit more than the animated one did. So I feel like that's what the live action did better. What it did worse is kill Supergirl a hundred thousand. <laughs> it did include Supergirl. So but that's it a did include her, but it so, murdered her a thousand times. So it's up one Supergirl, but down a hundred deaths. <laughs> <laughs> And also just like, you know, negative check marks for all the CGI. But uh, <laughs> I liked that the the animated version included a lot of the um, the DC characters. So we get Aquaman, we get uh, Wonder Woman, we get some deep cut characters, like whoever Canterbury Cricket is, my new favorite character of all time. Me too, me too. <laughs> uh, so Canterbury Cricket... This was something I was sort of introduced to because I've kind of read some of Flashpoint, but not a ton. 
Uh, but apparently this group, this resistance group that Lois meets in this animated version of Flashpoint are characters that were created for the Flashpoint storyline in the comics. So uh, Grifter, Godiva, Mrs. Hyde, Canterbury Cricket. And uh, well, Etrigan, I think, was there for a while. Etrigan's been around for quite some time. But Canterbury Cricket, uh, he's a bug-like vigilante operating in England. And he was first seen in the alternate Flashpoint timeline. He was a con man who prayed for superpowers when the Amazons okay. invaded and was turned into a giant cricket. Oh, my God. Be this... careful what you wish for situation. <laughs> <laughs> this allowed him to lead the ambush bugs and become part of the resistance movement against Aquaman and Wonder Woman. The this ambush ca- bugs. <laughs> <laughs> this character uh, later appeared in the main continuity in the Doomsday Clock series. And he was created by Mike uh, Mike Carlin and Rags Morales, uh, first appearing in Flashpoint. Oh, there's a whole issue about him. Flashpoint, (gasps) the Canterbury Cricket number one. Yeah, there is. Well, I'm getting that. Yes. Uh, I just want to go deep, <laughs> deep into his backstory, his theatrical <laughs> training, if you will. His lo- uh, loves, his hopes, his dreams. Uh, <laughs> no, he was amazing. I was like, well, uh, a new favorite character just dropped. But, <laughs> but I did like that we got, you know, some of, uh, and I could see the, some, the, it was really interesting because this was obviously released 10 years ago back in 2013. But I could see a lot of similarities with the um, the 2023 version, um, you know, is in as far as like the tweaks that the the movie made where they were like, OK, instead of it being Superman who has been like, you know, held by the U.S. government is all emaciated in like a room. It's Supergirl because we can't get Henry Cavill. Or uh, we didn't want we Henry didn't Cavill. Want Henry Cavill. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm listen, sure they could have gotten a, him. She is not a substitute Henry Cavill, okay? She is her own person. All the women <laughs> independent. Uh, but like, yeah, I could. So and like the, the Batman instead, we got an alternate universe Batman, which is the Michael Keaton Batman. Batman instead of um the Thomas Papa, Wayne. Papa Batman. Yeah. Thomas Rain is his name. I was gonna get there. I like <laughs> I like Papa like Papa Bats. I like Papa, ba- Papa Bats. Yeah. <laughs> Papa Bats, can you hear me? Uh <laughs> he, he showed up. Uh he was he had that five o'clock shadow. Everybody was calling him old. It was a tough, it was a tough road for Papa Bats. Uh but yeah, I could see like, you know, I could see like where they kind of translated some of these things into the movie so it was interesting for me having watched the movie like a couple months ago to be like oh okay this is how they translated that thing because i'm assuming that the animated movie is much closer to the comic book storyline than i would assume the uh the movie was yeah the the animated feature film dives into the war between atlantis and themyscira the the amazons and and does the Superman, as you mentioned. Uh, so that's a little bit closer to the comic book uh, storyline than the Flash movie was, because some of that didn't appear at all. Uh, but you make such a great point about how the storyline in the animated version, this Flashpoint Paradox uh, animated feature film, it doesn't mention Barry goes back to save his mother until the very end. And he says something like, oh, it's because I saved my mom. And I was like, wait, he didn't. Yeah, we never saw him save I, his mother. I will say, I literally had a, a moment where I paused the movie and I thought, 
was I zoning out when that happened? Yeah. Like, I was like, this is fully possible that I was just like <laughs> daydreaming about what I was going to have for lunch and completely forgot to like see it. And I was like, I was like, should I rewind? And then I was like, no, 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 Morgan, you shouldn't rewind. You'll wait till the end of the movie. Then you'll rewind and see if you miss something. But by the time I got to the end of the movie, I was like, I think they just didn't show it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're right. I watched it. I watched it a long time ago when it first came out, but then uh, for this podcast episode, I, I rewatched it twice, once to kind of remember because it had been a while, and then uh, another time to make some notes. And the first time through when I rewatched it, I had that same thing. I was like, wait, we never saw him save his mother. And then the second time through when I was making notes, I was like, okay, we definitely did not see his mother. So I think that did take away from some of the choice that he makes. I think it is supposed to, as you mentioned, supposed to make you think that Eobard Thawne had done this to him. And by the end of it, you realize like that was his uh, choice to make. And so then at the end of the film, we see uh, some of uh, that come to fruition where he has to go stop his past self from doing it. That I was a little confused about too, because I was like, which, which one is he? Which So I got a little confused there. But um, but as, uh, as I rewatched it, I realized, oh, this is him. The war-torn Barry is now going back in time to like prevent him, his past self from saving his mother. So I think that would have been a little stronger if we had actually seen him save his mother in the beginning. But uh, I don't know. It was one of those things where it was like, ah, I kind of go with it because the idea that he would just kind of wake up and be in this new timeline is somewhat interesting. Like I, I can see why that would be interesting to a filmmaker. Yeah. I kind of went back and forth on how I felt about that choice because I feel like I understand why they made it and it allowed them to have that twist at the end. But I do think that in some ways it sucks out a little bit of the emotion of the story because in some of the versions that I've seen, including the Arrow TV show, like he's doing, he fully knows what he's doing. He knows what that he's messing up the timeline. He's just like, I think it's going to be different this time. Barry, it's never different. But, uh, <laughs> but like, I think going in, making that choice purposefully does kind of give the character a little bit more of like an emotional journey. Whereas waking up randomly and being like, what's going on with the world? Uh, who could have foreseen this thing happening? And then finding out at the end of the movie, like, was it that time that I went back in time and saved my mom? <laughs> oh, did, oh, did, did you not want to mention that? <laughs> I feel like it does rob like that decision of some of its power that we don't see him like dealing with the repercussions and actively he's like this is eobard i know it i haven't i a sweet angel have not done a a wrong thing in my life i have never touched the timeline that thing i did yesterday probably is not related to this <laughs> <laughs> he like wakes up because it it, it does kind of take you like it it stretches the it, uh, credulity a little bit that he like wakes up everything is dramatically different in the timeline and he, he has that, he has no powers the goes, world yeah, there's a world no war power. going on and he thinks to himself what could have caused this who knows instead of thinking what could have caused this did I just alter the timeline perhaps yesterday <laughs> like that never occurs to him until like deep deep within the movie well he even justifies it later with reverse flash he was like no 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 that wouldn't have caused that problem <laughs> yes it's, yeah it's, it's not that it's not it's not that that big of a deal it wouldn't have caused all these other problems <laughs> 
something has happened to the timeline. Now, admittedly, I just messed with it yesterday, but I think it probably was after me. After I did that one thing, before I did my I'm pretty sure somebody really messed with it. It's like, sure, listen to yourself. <laughs> Uh, Rachel in the chat said, Barry voice, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. (laughs) (laughs) It always is. Uh, Yeah. So I think there were some positives, I think, for the Flash movie versus this uh, adaptation. But I think this one, I think uh, I was pretty invested in the war aspect of the movie just because it was neat to, as you mentioned, to see which characters were on which side and what the strategy was to, uh, and the uh, the cause of this war. So the we we learn what the uh, the cause of the conflict was, <laughs> and I'm I'm very curious to get your opinion on uh, why they started fighting. But then also the uh, strategy of how to stop them. So Morgan, I'm curious, what did you think about the reasoning for Aquaman and Wonder Woman to uh, essentially cause World War Three? Yeah, I, so I felt like that needed a lot more fleshing out for me, if I was <laughs> honest. Because so what we end up seeing is we see in like flashback. First off, I wasn't sure when this flashback took place and uh, took place in like space and time. Like, had Themyscira already taken over a bunch of stuff? Had uh, Atlantis decided to take over a bunch of stuff? I didn't know. The way the movie <laughs> presents it is that. Atlantis comes to Themyscira. I guess they're going to have a diplomatic mission of sorts. And then then while Aquaman and Mira are in Themyscira, some some adult things happen. Yeah. So (laughs) what what I so I completely misinterpreted that. And this (laughs) makes so much more sense to me. What did you think happened? I was uh, thinking about a pork roll, egg, and cheese, apparently, and I was not <laughs> not following the plot of this movie. So uh, I thought that Themyscira had, like, already taken over, because the, the premise is that Tem- Themyscira has, like, taken over, like, what, like, somewhere in Europe? Uh, I have notes on this. Hang on a second. <laughs> uh, let's see. Themyscira slaughtered 32 million people when they invaded the United uh, the United Kingdom. Okay, so Themyscira has taken over the UK. Um, Atlantis has flooded most of Europe and killed yes. like 100, 100 million people. 100 million people died when Atlantis sank Western Europe into the ocean. Yes. So, uh, so, uh, Themyscira is hanging out on their new island, the UK. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so I, what I thought was happening, which is incorrect, uh, apparently, <laughs> was that like Themyscira had already taken over and like Atlantis had already done something aggressive. And they were like, they were like doing like a hand, like they were doing like a handshake. Oh, deal well, I mean, like, maybe where they were like, uh, we're going to join forces. And we're going to take over the world kind of thing. And I thought when um, when Wonder Woman and Aquaman got more acquainted, <laughs> let us say, that it was like one of those like olden timey things where it's like to, to combine our two kingdoms, we must we must marry and like merge our two. So like I thought like I was like, oh, I guess like Wonder Woman and Aquaman are like 
got had like a political marriage and they were like sealing the deal. I was really confused. And then I was like, Mara seems really confused about this, but she was right there when they did that handshake. <laughs> Why isn't she on board? So uh, every part of your interpretation makes more sense than my interpretation. But I think I, that it needed more explanation is the thing. Well, I think that could work. I think you could still go with that interpretation. It's wildly wrong, but <laughs> you could go with it, but I don't feel like it's correct. But the way I saw it was they initially like had some sort of uh, peaceful visit. And then while they were there, Arthur and Diana uh like had got, an affair they did the uh, arthur cheated on mira and mira saw it and got jealous and tried to attack wonder woman and so diana was like off with her head uh and that's what say, and that that to me i thought was what started the war i gotta say ladies take it up with your man first okay because like <laughs> he's the one he's the one break it breaking the vows i don't see a ring on wonder woman's finger i see a ring on his finger mira- <laughs> You should have attacked him first, is all I'm saying. <laughs> and then maybe we could have avoided this whole confrontation. Uh, that makes more sense with, like, how mad Mirror was. And at the end, uh, Wonder Woman seems sad to, like, kill uh, Arthur, like, kill Aquaman. And, like, when everything is blowing up, she's, like, holding his body and, mm. like, oh, I'm so sad. And I was like, Why? But like you uh, killed him, though, ma'am. What's going on here? Like, what are you? What emotions are you feeling? Go through so many emotions. So I feel like that that wonder the Wonder Woman Aquaman backstory. I don't. I I I appreciate that they did like an economy of storytelling where they're like, we're gonna tell it in these quick flashbacks, and I love that for them. I felt <laughs> like it needed a little bit more uh meat on that bone because i was just like i don't really get it like why are they so mad at each other i mean yeah she beheaded mara and that's like probably not cool and she okay she's wearing mara's crown around <laughs> as a trophy. also not great but like what what in the world uh so i felt like uh, just a little bit of extra context would have uh maybe prevented me from <laughs> being so confused <laughs> i can understand that i think i think the idea that the war started because queen mara was assassinated that seems like a pretty good reason to go to war I yeah guess. uh but but yeah the uh arthur diana dynamic throughout the story was a little confusing for me because i was like you could have just not killed like you didn't have to kill him like what why yeah, well what's happening if, if here? you still had a uh, lingering feel like obviously they still kind of maybe had feelings for each other but they just wanted to battle it out i don't know i also feel like if that's what the uh if that's what the fight was about was like this uh essentially this fair affair that went wrong and ended with mara's death like that's kind of like a dramatic like meaty story for the characters and to just kind of skim over the top of it and then try to play it at the end like, oh, she's sad. I'm like, I don't care. Like, you, <laughs> you weren't really that into this, to, like, telling too much of this, like, emotional story. Like, Wonder Woman is basically just, like, a cartoon villain in this one, killing children and beheading people. So, oh my like, why am I supposed to care about her, like, emotions about killing Aquaman? <laughs> she killed Steve Trevor. She hung <laughs> Steve Trevor using her lasso. Brutal. She also uh, murdered uh, young and poor de defenseless Billy Batson. 
Like okay. as Billy Batson, like murdered a child, straight up yeah. murdered a child. Yeah. And then of course we talked about she literally beheads Mare and then holds up the head. I thought, oh my God, this is animated. What is <laughs> what is happening here? Why? Uh so yeah, so Wonder Woman was on a tear in this one. Uh she was not a not a friendly, not a friendly lady in, in this uh interpretation. I will say the uh the uh the Steve Trevor scene was the scene where I like I had to pause it and and say, this was written by a man, right? And go back because <laughs> it's like one of the weirdest scenes of, uh, of lines of dialogue I think I've ever heard. I think it's the Steve Trevor scene where he's like saying something about like Lois Lane is a uh, Lois Lane is embedded in Themyscira. She's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. <laughs> no, listen, Steve, Steve, calm down. She's beautiful, but she's 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 more than just her looks. She's an accomplished <laughs> reporter. And also, Steve, very much no one asked you. <laughs> I was like, this is the weirdest line of dialogue I feel like I've ever seen. Like this dialogue is like sweaty in a way. I, <laughs> I got the uh in I got the vibe that Steve Trevor and Lois Lane were a thing in this Flashpoint oh. universe. See, I don't with, I, I don't with know that backstory. I could have gone with that line but with no with the zero backstory we got i was just like why would you just drop that i i, I haven't read all of flashpoint because i i haven't read the whole like because it, it goes through many different characters and stories and stuff um apparently canterbury uh cricket has his own flashpoint issue so there's there's <laughs> a so lot of stories that. there's a lot of stories that uh, the story goes through um but i got the i got the um <clears throat> the idea that uh, Lois Lane and Steve Trevor were a thing, which I think is actually a pretty cool idea. Like I would be into that, but they never showed it at all. But the way I agree, the way the dialogue was delivered, it was a little weird because it didn't, <laughs> it didn't really uh, go anywhere. Like Lois never mentions him later. And she, we get some Lois Lane screen time with the uh, resistance, but she never sticks up for Steve Trevor in the way he, he did it. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that was a little strange. Uh, but uh, Wonder Woman does uh, kill a lot of people in this story. Um, so what did you think about the dynamic between, because uh, we spend a lot of time with, uh, Barry Allen and Thomas Wayne. What what did you think about that dynamic? And because that we do see the sort of, uh, I, I hate to compare them, but like we see this same kind of dynamic in the Flash movie, but it's played a little differently there with the Michael Keaton and Ezra Miller uh, dynamic. So what did you think about uh, Thomas Wayne here? Yeah, I really liked the idea of it not just being an older Bruce Wayne, but being Thomas Wayne who survived the attack. Uh, and that instead of uh, Thomas and Martha dying, it was little Bruce, little Bruce who got killed in the alleyway. And I was like, oh, what an interesting, like, what a smart subversion of the Superman story. And the Oh, reveal, you mean the Batman story. Batman story, of course. <laughs> it's WB, of course, it's Batman. Um, and the reveal in the movie, spoiler alert for a 10-year-old uh, animated movie, but uh, that Martha is the Joker, that blew my mind. I was like, I, I would watch like a little, I would watch an animated something in this universe because that's crazy. And I feel like that is like ripe for storytelling potential. I was like, I want the Thomas Wayne Batman spinoff movie where he's like Martha and she's just like 
cackling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, I saw that I thought was that was one of the best twists in the movie. Um, and I like the way that they interacted with each other. I thought it was really, it was really cool. Again, we see uh, a lot of the stuff because we just watched the flash movie back in what June. Yes. There was like a lot of stuff that was very familiar uh, in this movie, including, you know, him going, I need to get my powers back again. You're going to have to, you're going to have to electrocute me with a uh, lightning and chemicals and, It'll go great, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Although in this version, that, did they do it twice in the movie version? Yes, because in the movie, it's like one of the only cool things Supergirl gets to do is that when Barry <laughs> gets electrocuted and he's he's got a lot of problems, she flies him up into the uh, the lightning storm. Oh, so, that's right. I do yeah. remember that, that was very cool. Yeah. Good for Supergirl. Um, <laughs> I thought, that, yeah, I thought this was cool. I, I thought it was cool to see like another interpretation of like those scenes. Um, yeah. And I like the way that they interacted with each other. I like the little, the little sort of moment at the end where he gives him the letter to give to Bruce because he knows Bruce is alive in his, in his version. Then he gives it to Bruce and like Bruce, like, cries oh man that got me right in the in the emotions i was like you know what i felt like uh i i probably couldn't feel anything about bruce wayne's parents getting killed after like seeing it for the 400th time but it turns <laughs> out i can i can still be sad about it and uh i thought that was just such a nice little moment where he he tells you know barry that he's like a great delivery service <laughs> delivery service yeah he's a great messenger which is yeah. interesting because uh the flash is uh Modeled after, uh, what is the, uh, is it the Greek god Hermes? Mercury, Mercury maybe. Yes. One of I those. So. Who, who, who was a, a, a messenger? Uh, <laughs> Bunsen is here. Uh, I was hoping that the cords were not going to be appealing to him tonight. Oh, no. But, oh, no. He's but, going straight But for they them. are. They still are. Uh, you know what? The heart wants what it wants. Kind of a... <laughs> The Wonder Woman Aquaman situation here where the end of the world is going to come about because Bunsen has to chew the cords. Uh, buddy, oh, buddy, we can we can do better. We can do we can ask better for ourselves, can't we? The cords are in a committed relationship, Bunsen, much like Aquaman was. <laughs> Hi, buddy. We need to get Bunsen his own set of cords. We do, yeah. Just like a couple of play cords that I can give him when he comes up to visit. <laughs> Uh, so we'll work on that. Maybe some, uh, oh, uh -oh. somebody's purring. Hi. Yeah. It's Bunsen time. He says, <laughs> <laughs> actually, is he, is he still purring? Uh, he is, can, but can he, you, purrs, can, he purrs. So, can you put your mic down there? He purrs so quietly. Oh, he's already done purring. Oh, he's okay. very quiet. Be Beaker, however, Beaker, like when he goes to town, I can like, one time I was on the phone with somebody and they were like, is your cat purring? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> Bunsen likes to keep it closer to the vest. Bunsen is intensely private. Right, buddy? <laughs> oh, intensely private, Bunsen. He's we are so close to the computer right now. <laughs> <laughs> we are getting a lot of Bunsen time. He really has been enjoying the live streams lately. He really has. He's yeah. been he's been loving the limelight. He's like, oh, I see why Beaker does it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's really taking over Beaker's spot there. Uh, um, so Rachel says it is. Uh, I believe it's pronounced Hermes. She said yeah. Mercury is the Roman. Ah, uh, yes, 
correct. Um, yeah, I, I liked this uh, dynamic of uh, Thomas Wayne in this animated version just because it, it did have that emotion, whereas Michael Keaton's Batman didn't really... Yeah, not have really. as much of it. It uh, was more like a like a nostalgia. It had emotion if you were like, I remember being a child and watching these Michael Keaton movies. But then it was just like you facing your own mortality. It wasn't anything that's really coming from <laughs> <laughs> coming from the movie. You were just like, I mean, oh, remember those days? <laughs> the the similarity, I guess, runs in in the fact that Batman does die in both versions. Yes. Um, but I really like the way he goes out in this one where he uh, he chooses to shoot the reverse <laughs> flash in order to what a screenshot uh, in order to uh, get Barry to go back in time. And what I thought was cool about this visual of uh, Thomas Wayne, the Thomas Wayne Batman shooting reverse flash where he basically shoots straight through his chest. So there's like this big hole in his chest and it's gross but earlier in the film, Barry calls him the James Bond of superheroes. And this oh, sort of yeah. looks to me like ja like a James Bond intro sequence. Uh, so yeah, I thought that like was pretty the, cool. In like the bullet hallway yeah. in the James Bond movies. Yeah. So I thought that was visually really cool. That was probably my favorite visual of the entire uh, movie was the homage to uh, James Bond. <laughs> he he decided he wanted to be up on the lamp, so I just didn't oh, no. to knock over the lamp. <laughs> no. Bunsen can, does love the light. He does love. He loves to find his light. Is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> He's like ah, that warm glow of the lamp. I must have it. All right. Well, before we move on, uh, maybe we should hop into the chat to see what else uh, people are talking about. Uh, Mind the Gap uh, is uh, talking about the uh, TV version, uh, saying Flashpoint should have been a crossover story. I think they did similar stuff enough later on with Legends of Tomorrow and the Elseworlds story. Yeah, it could have. Flashpoint could have been a whole crossover event that they could have done, uh, but they chose to do it at the very beginning of season three. Uh, let's see. Uh, I think there was a question in here about Supergirl from New Rachel. Uh, where do you think Supergirl is during this movie? Is she still in the Phantom Zone? Has she been captured by a different government organization? What, what are your thoughts, Morgan? What's Supergirl doing at this I think moment? That she's down at the permanent office in the Phantom Zone. She's trying to <laughs> she's trying to build like a like a like a dual use shed, uh, but they <laughs> they keep they keep giving her the runaround. They're like, you need to put this in, you need to put that, and she's like, how many shelves can you possibly have in the Phantom Zone? They're like, we need to do a lot of filing here. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, no, I feel like the Phantom Zone probably makes the most sense or like maybe just floating out in space. Maybe there's like a dark thing where like she's just out there. She's just floating around. Yeah. Supervisor Steve in the Phantom Zone has just really been giving her too much work to do. <laughs> uh, she cannot take a break, uh, take a break there in the Phantom Zone break room. She's got a lot going on. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess in this universe, Supergirl doesn't exist or maybe she uh, is in... Uh, stasis like she normally is in a lot of these stories where she uh is asleep for a long time and then somehow she wakes up and finds herself on earth uh let's see brian in the chat says ambush bug we talked about the ambush bugs with uh canterbury cricket uh the ambush bug creator keith giffen passed a few away a few days ago so 
yeah, sorry to hear about that news, but uh, Keith Giffen uh, left us a good legacy of great comic books and great comic book characters. Uh, and then uh, Mind the Gap also says uh, this movie, uh, The Flashpoint Paradox, is actually referenced in Suicide Squad, Hell to Pay, and Justice League Dark, Dark Apocalypse War, which I think is why the post credit tease, the very, very, very end is like, oh. a is like a parademon coming out. It's very short. Oh, okay. I yeah. missed that. <laughs> it, uh, it's the funny ver- thing is very, I watched like 90% of the credits because I was like, I want to know who the voices are for everybody because the only one I recognized was Nathan Fillion. Um, right. Oh, as, a, as Green Lantern. I would, I want to ask you about what, you thought about Green Lantern in this movie because I know I know normally you don't care for Green Lantern. <laughs> you know what? I didn't care for him. <laughs> uh, no, to be honest, uh, I I feel like the funny answer is I didn't care for him, but the truth is I I, I didn't. I think that they killed his character off too soon. Like they he did. Gets, they give him this uh the basically the Green Lantern ship to to pilot, and uh, he immediately crashes it, and that's it. He's dead. RIP and I was like wait so but like now he's gonna get the green pa- uh, green lantern powers and they're like we'll never forget you Hal and I was like what really <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's pretty bad ba- it's a pretty abrupt death if I'm like give me more green lantern it sounds like you did care for green lantern I did I was like wait a minute <laughs> Hal's getting a, r- a raw deal here <laughs> at least make me try to care <laughs> Yeah, so Green Lantern, he was there kind of at the beginning in the normal timeline, uh, being uh, buds with Barry, uh, but then he does uh, kill himself uh, in a kamikaze crash uh, to help the United States government with that ship. Uh, Let's see, I want to kind of go back to the chat just to get some things covered. Uh, Mind the Gap says, I think one thing the comics did was that Thawne had already killed Barry's mom, so Barry, going back and saving her, he could not predict would change things. They never address, uh, similarly to the Flash movie, the Flashpoint Paradox never addresses who kills Nora Allen. She's just murdered and dead. We don't have any kind of answer as to how she's murdered. You see, like, a person behind her? Yeah. That's it. That's it. I was like, hey, look at the, who is that guy? I thought there was going to be, like, a reveal. Um, but no, there's not. It's just a guy. I will say I like uh, what the Flash TV show did with that in that they show uh, that uh, she is murdered and that there's a the whole deal with his father going on trial. Of course, in, in, in a movie, you can't really go into that in so much detail. So I can understand why they leave that out. I think there was uh, so much other stuff in this animated movie because they had access to like all the DC characters so they could have like wonder woman and batman and aquaman and superman having like really significant parts whereas like there was probably actors and contractual obligations and dc warner brothers red tape in the live action where there probably was just like less room for that in the animated because they had again uh the whole wonder woman uh aquaman situation that i apparently deeply misunderstood and they had (laughs) they had the batman stuff and they had like you know uh, superman has a little bit of his own thing going on he's just kind of sad in the corner and he has no friends and he makes one friend and then and that friend dies and he dies and he's like my friend my one friend (laughs) (laughs) poor cyborg cyborg feels like the only like nice person in this universe too where he's like hey guys like let's be heroes and everybody else is like meh (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I, every time anything bad happened to Cyborg, I was like, no, not Cyborg. He's trying real hard here. Do you think he was questionable because he worked for the government? That, that seemed to be in contention with Thomas Wayne's Batman. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I would have I would have liked a little bit more of that like that backstory about them because they seemed to like they had a very contentious relationship because he was like, well, you're, you know, you're part of the government. And Cyborg's like, yeah, I'm trying to help. <laughs> uh, I thought that was really interesting. They brought up some interesting stuff where I feel like in maybe like a TV show or a longer version of this, they could have dived into a little bit more. Uh, but the version that we saw, I mean, kind of just kind of made it seem like Cyborg was just trying to like corral cats constantly. As being like, <laughs> That's true. These, actually, These are my superhero children. Uh, some of them actual children. Uh, <laughs> I'm comfortable with putting these 12 year olds in danger. Why aren't you? Uh, <laughs> And he's like, yeah, you know, that's that, that, that's that guy. That's that guy. Here's a bug. He's my, he's my ringer. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, really? That guy's your ringer? Uh, so I, I liked his sort of role as like the leader of this new kind of pseudo justice league where it was like, oh, this is a bunch of random people I bumped into in my travels. They're, they're all my, you know, my good squad. And everybody's just kind of like sitting there like, I don't think we can do this, guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I, oh, oh, yeah, I, was go say, ahead. I did have a question about Shazam. Um, or yes. what what was his name in this one? Like Captain Thunder? Or? Wonder Woman calls him in the alternate timeline, calls him Captain Thunder. Okay, because he's in the comics. He's Captain Marvel, correct? Correct. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so in the movies, I, I don't have a lot of experience with like the Shazam Captain Marvel character. In the movies, it's it's one child who turns into uh, like a a more grown up version of himself, and that's Captain Marvel Shazam. In this, it seems like they did like a Captain Planet with their powers combined, and like <laughs> like the 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 superhero was many children, and I found that disturbing on like a lot of levels. <laughs> so the Shazam family, uh, they all turn into basically superhero adult versions of themselves yes all by saying shazam it, it it seems that way but in this movie it felt like they only turned into one guy like all of them oh. turned into one guy and then when she asks uh when wonder woman puts the lasso of truth around the guy's neck like captain thunder's neck and is like what what how do you how do you become children a child again he says like shazam and then it's just a bunch of kids on there and i was like wait a minute did they like did they pull like a like a dozen kids in a trench coat kind of situation here <laughs> like but like for real i was very confused with like, the mechanics of it that like with our powers combined we become this grown adult man i was like i don't i don't like i don't like that if i'm being honest i'm going to have to go back and rewatch that i guess i just assumed because I knew that all the Shazam kids could turn into uh, adult superheroes. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'll I have to go back and look for, at how they did that. Because I was looking around for like the adult versions of the, when he was like, Shazam. And I was like, oh, you, you're going to, you're in trouble now. Because there's like going to be, you know, five adult superheroes. <laughs> and then it was just one guy. And I was like, wait, wait a minute. Did they all just. Did they all just become that one guy? That makes that even worse. It makes it pretty bad. Because, because if if you're right, and that's how they depicted it, then when he turns back into young Billy Batson, 
Is that Wonder Woman killing all of those kids at once? I don't. So that's a good question because she only kills young Billy Batson. She doesn't kill the other kids. But like, it did feel like they were doing like a Power Rangers situation where it's, <laughs> you're the arm. It's like, <laughs> great, great. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I had many questions. I thought, I thought maybe this was like, there was like a comic book story I was missing where it's like, well, you know, when he shazams, he becomes Captain Marvel. But when he super shazams, <laughs> he sucks up the other children and they become Captain Thunder. Trad and I was like, I don't like that. Uh, Tra I don't love that at all. Traditionally, it should be individual kids turning into individual superheroes. Uh, so that's how it should be. Uh, but uh, I'll have to go back and look to see how they presented it. Uh, my, yeah. Mind the gap in the chat just, says Captain Thunder was the character's original name. So I guess that was a throwback to that. I just found myself with a lot of questions that I didn't really want the answers to, but that I was like, did I miss something? I mean, like, admittedly, the comics are weird. Like, weird stuff happens in the comics. <laughs> There's weirder things that happen in the comics than, like, a bunch of children becoming a grown adult. So, I mean, it, the, the premise is weird enough. Uh, but yeah, I'm not really sure how I, I, I'll have to go back and look at, I'm, I'm trying <laughs> to see if I can I pull it up now. It's possible. I fundamentally understood, misunderstood every aspect of this movie. <laughs> I swear to God, I watched it. <laughs> I, I really like the, uh, the interpretation though. I think it, uh, the, the uh, Power Rangers interpretation. <laughs> yes. I think that actually makes it uh, more interesting. Uh, I don't know if it's correct, but uh, <laughs> it's I, it might not be. Um, but who knows? <laughs> I think we'll have to go back. Uh, maybe before this live stream ends, I'll try to pull it up and see if we can get that fact checked. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. but, but why uh, fact check us if you know in the comments? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to go back uh, and and check that out. Um, I guess that sort of leads into a discussion that I'd want to have about the animation and the animation style and how things were uh, put together in the edit, how everything flowed together. So uh, Morgan, what did you think about the presentation of this animated film? You know, take away the story, take away the confusion of, uh, you know, the Shazam kids and, and the Wonder Woman Aquaman <laughs> uh, uh, affair. What did you think about the way this animated film looked? Uh, I, you know what? I didn't, I, I didn't mind it. I think it, it was kind of, there was a little bit of like an anime influence on the art style. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, I thought the, the, the animation was pretty, pretty like well done. I, I didn't have some of the character designs were like, wow, those, uh, those proportions that, that man would just kind of fall over if he had that prominent of a chest and that snatched of a waist but um <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of comic book uh that's kind of like you know comic book art in general um yeah i thought i thought the uh i thought the the animation was actually really well done i didn't love all the character designs but i thought like in general it looked really nice it looked like you know they spent some money they had some time and care into this one yeah, I don't love the tall and lanky versions of them. And like Aquaman, <laughs> Aquaman was just too big. Yeah. Like his his traps, <laughs> his his neck, like it's, it's, it's okay. too much. This makes me feel better because that was kind of my critique. Is like everyone's just too big. Like everybody has been uh has been juicing in this animated movie like a lot. Like everybody's roid raged out. 
they're either too big or too skinny too yes like <laughs> uh too thin like some of them were like tall and really thin so i yeah i I did. I don't. I think they nailed it with the uh, the looks of the characters and their suits and uh, the way the the designs were actually done. I thought was very good, but uh, the the actual animation of them. I think some of them were just just too big. Uh, although Green Lantern, how how Jordan was looking okay. How Jordan? Yeah. How Jordan? Again, I mean, this is maybe maybe the most I've ever cared about Green Lantern. Because- <laughs> Uh, I thought he was the only one who looked kind of reasonable. Uh, and I was like, oh, did they just kill him? That's not cool. Uh, so uh, they did something right with Green Lantern, but everybody else was too too yoked for me. <laughs> yeah, so I, I wasn't crazy about the way they looked. But I think for the most part, the cinematic quality for an animated uh, feature film was pretty good. The action sequences, uh, despite the some of the confusion about the Shazam kids, I thought was <laughs> uh, so pretty, I might have pretty good. I might have answered the Shazam question for myself. Um, okay. I don't I don't know if I'm gonna be sad that I did. Uh, so there's an article um, from Screen Rant from oh, 2022. Can you, can you can you share it via I, the present on uh, Screen oh, Rant so we can yes, follow along? I absolutely can. Uh, <laughs> did someone write an article about that? Let's share this screen. I looked up uh, my search query is gonna be the one of the wildest things that you <laughs> probably ever see. It was like it was like uh, Captain Thunder Shazam kids. <laughs> so enjoy that. Um, so this article <laughs> from March 2022 by uh, Sean Corley says, Shazam's darkest form flipped the idea of his superhero family. During the 2011 Flashpoint events, readers saw the darkest version of Shazam yet, one that flipped the script on the concept of the Shazam family. So I skimmed down because I'm not reading this whole thing. I'm trying to <laughs> podcast. Um, <laughs> TDL. What is it? Too, too long, don't, didn't too read. Too long, didn't read. So basically, <laughs> here's, the part, here's the important part that I'm that I'm highlighting. Okay. So it says, in Flashpoint number one, readers encounter a reality created when the Flash accidentally breaks the timeline. Got there, it. they meet Captain Thunder, the broken timeline's version of Shazam. The children comprising the family, Billy, Mary, Freddie, Darla, Eugene, and Pedro, right. along with Tawny the Tiger, are each, who don't, I don't know who that is, uh, are yeah. each imbued with an aspect of Shazam's power. That is, Eugene has Solomon's wisdom, Billy has the courage of Achilles, and so forth. When they say the magic word Shazam, <gasps> they combine to form <laughs> Captain Thunder. <laughs> I so you are correct. I called that unfortunately, and I don't <laughs> like it. I, I'm just gonna go on record as saying I don't like it. Uh, it says, unlike his Earth uh, Zero counterpart, however, Captain Thunder is much darker with a stoic demeanor and deep scars on his face. The children bring Captain Thunder forth to ask for his help in the uh, Atlantean Amazon uh, Amazon War. So yeah, so yeah, they combine that with their powers combined. They make Captain Thunder. So Wonder Woman killed so uh, a bunch it, of kids. Maybe at once. killed a bunch of kids at once. Wow, not cool. Not wow. cool. Wow. Uh, now I really want to go back and read <laughs> all of the Flashpoint comics because I feel like I'm missing a lot of stuff. And, yeah, uh, uh, like now I'm like, wait, do I need to? Like, this is what is happening in these comics. This is wild. <laughs> Uh, mind the gap in the chat says Flashpoint is the first appearance of Pedro, Eugene, and Darla. So I guess oh. their interpretation started out as the uh, your powers combine. Uh, so the movies actually uh, uh, did something different than Flashpoint. So that is 
really surprising. I was not uh, expecting that. So I guess we answered that question. So thank you for doing that digging, Morgan, so that we can, we could have conclusion <laughs> to <you>. that. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I I I didn't understand what I was seeing. I thought I was seeing something, and I'm glad that I was I was right about at least one thing in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you uh, 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 caught it very well in, in in a way that I did not pay attention to it. So thank you for uh, catching that. Um, okay, so I guess, uh, are there any other things that you wanted to talk about that we didn't already bring up about the Flashpoint Paradox? I mean, if I feel like the uh, the 2023 version did one thing I liked, it's it have Supergirl in it. Uh, it would have been great to have Super. I, I spent a lot of this movie going, a lot of dudes, a lot of dudes, so many dudes. Uh, there, like, are maybe th- three female characters? Oh, three, that might be generous. Three main ones, but a lot of Amazons. So you got Wonder <laughs> yeah, Woman, you got yeah. Mira, you got Lois. Uh, Nora, Nora Allen's kind Nora, of a big character. Yeah, Nora Allen. So you've got like about four as opposed to like 500 superhero men. Um, so, you know, I, I while it's cool to see Superman and like I did think halfway through, hey, where's Superman? Um, it feels like he could fix this pretty easily. Um I like that the 2023 version, for various reasons that probably more have to do with contract disputes than creativity, uh, included Supergirl because it it did feel like a little bit necessary with Wonder Woman being a villain um, to 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 just have a like a superhero who was also a, a woman. Yeah, that would have been great. So I also, agree. I was I gotta be I gotta be honest. I was surprised to see uh, uh, Lois Lane with that like uh that gun like just going in like going in there she was like she's got to defend herself somehow she's like listen i'm in the middle of this <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm in it now she uh needed to get in there and shoot some uh amazons and atlanteans although don't nothing would really Lane. nothing would really happen to them i don't think you could just shoot them with a gun pew pew but uh but she was in there doing it she was defending herself and uh she was trying to get them to stop fighting which and and reporting uh, from the ground, what was happening? Yeah. So very useful, very helpful. Um, yeah, this uh, this animated movie, I think for the most part, is pretty good. Uh, I think some of the direction could have uh, used a little bit of help to clarify some things, uh, like we talked about. But I think uh, for the most part, I think it 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 got the story from A to B. Even though, uh, as we talked about previously, I think uh, having more of a connection to Nora Allen and and seeing Barry make that choice would have made it stronger. But I do understand the the choice there to have him wake up in a in a strange new world. Uh, that uh, and I, I think the way that they played it, where when he wakes up initially and sees that he's in this different timeline and understands like the Flash is not a thing and. Uh, the, there's a uh, world war going on. And then at the end, when he wakes up again, I, I liked the way that um, the, the directing and the writing uh, played with that idea of him waking up a second time. And then everything has been corrected. Everything, it, it kind of followed that same sequence of events where he woke up at work and talked to the same guy and saw the different headline. I think it helped, uh, put me in a place where I understood that the timeline had changed. So I think that choice is a good one uh, to play with. If you're going to have one timeline be different and then have it be corrected by the end of it. I thought that that was uh, a good way to do that. 
I did laugh about Captain Boomerang in this one because it made me have I have a lot of questions about Captain Boomerang now because uh, there's a sequence at the beginning that we didn't really talk about. Uh, but it featured the Flash going after the rogues because the rogues are uh, messing around in the Flash Museum. It's a whole ploy to get the Flash uh, to be there for Reverse Flash and his diabolical plan. And Captain Boomerang uh, throws his boomerangs, of course, and the boomerangs come back and hit him. And I, I just was watching the movie thinking, does this happen to Captain Boomerang a lot? I feel like it probably. <laughs> I feel like it probably does. I feel like Captain Boomerang is like, um, like Kite Man for in a, the Harley Quinn animated series, where it's like he's not really good at it. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's not really good at villaining. He's like my whole thing is boomerangs. He throws it and just like hits him in the back of the head like constantly. Like, what yeah, does I mean, he expect is gonna happen? Is boomerang. So I mean, you, you feel like you'd be better at getting out of the way of your own boomerang at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the big thing. I, I mean, I, I thought the thing with the bomb and, and the bombs and like the Justice League having to uh, deton or, or to to get rid of the bombs in the, the various ways that they did. I thought that was all very cool. But the, the one big takeaway I had from that sequence was Captain Boomerang maybe needs to rethink the boomerang thing because uh, that's yes. not very... <laughs> Not very smart. Um, I, I also liked from that sequence when um, uh, Aquaman is like, I've got this. I'm gonna, he throws the guy in the water. And he's like, how is, how is this having it? He's like, um, what was it like the microbiome or eating through the wires as we speak? And I like, honestly, I've been, I would have been like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> it oh, works. I mean, I love, I love that I'm being rescued, but ew. <laughs> it is uh kind of gross to think about but that you know aquaman was doing what he knew to do so that was how he could contribute to the uh, solution lo love you aquaman <laughs> <laughs> at least he wasn't cheating on his wife that's in that true I, that's true this version is loyal at least <laughs> <laughs> well uh do you have any other closing thoughts or or, or did we cover that already I you, you know, other thoughts? overall I really I really enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty it was a pretty good interpretation of the I mean, I think of the Flashpoint story. I've seen a couple different versions, but at some point I have to read the comics I think that it's based on and then I'll have like a more informed uh informed decision, but yeah, I thought I thought it it did a lot. It was it was doing a lot and it it did it pretty well. I do think that it skimmed over a couple of things that would have made it like a little bit maybe more emotional for the characters or like help the viewer get there with where the characters were. Um, and I think that like by, by like you said, by dropping Barry like right into the middle of the story and him going like immediately, Eobard must have done this. Who, who, what villain could have done this? And as everybody's like slowly pointing at him. Um, <laughs> uh, I just feel like him like real making that decision to make that change is more affecting um from a character perspective because then we can kind of follow that emotional journey of him having to make the decision to undo the change i think which is the thing that the actual actually the live action movie did better is that they did ground that whole thing in the decision to save his mom and like what are the repercussions whereas we don't even get to see this barry make that decision which i think kind of robs it of some of the power of the story 
Yeah, if you are a DC Comics fan that wants to see a story set in the world of DC with a lot of DC characters, this is a great movie for you. There's even Lex Luthor and Deathstroke and Black Manta and a whole bunch of characters. Uh, so if you uh, like the world of DC, this is a good one for you. If you're a Flash fan, this is a good one for you. Because I think uh, despite not having that emotional character moment that would have been better, um, it did feel like a Flash story. It did. So, yeah. So it, it felt like it was this one was really focused on the Flash, whereas the, the movie from this year didn't. I mean, it was a Flash story, but it was, I mean, there's a lot of Batman in there. <laughs> there were a lot of Batman. <laughs> Uh, so, so this one did feel like a flash story all the way through. So if you like the character of Barry Allen, this is also a good one to check out. Um, okay. So Morgan, would you like to make some snap judgments? I would love to. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. Okay, so our first snap judgment. Who would win in a fight? Yo-Yo or the top? So we didn't talk about Yo-Yo. <laughs> That's yo true. <laughs> but Yo-Yo was a new character for the Flashpoint comic book story uh, created in Flashpoint uh, number one, I guess, from 2011. So this was a character in the Flashpoint comics who then showed up in the Flashpoint Paradox animated film. And I think the major thing here with Yo-Yo, the character, is that she uses Yo-Yos as a weapon. Yeah. So that's her big thing. And then like loves yo -yos. <laughs> and then like the top turns in like he his superpower is that he becomes a top and he spins yep. around. Uh so both great uh, powers, both uh based on toys that maybe were nearby at the time <laughs> uh i love the idea of yo-yo i think it's a i mean you could do a lot of tricks so many fun you, tricks. <laughs> you could walk the dog you could do all <laughs> kinds of things could you imagine all the like the the villain puns that they could do with like it's time to walk the dog <laughs> <laughs> uh but i think the top is probably more effective there's a t tornado uh, situation going there so yo-yo would have to stop the tornado in order to be effective so i think the tops got this one i think that's fair i i felt my issue with the top was it felt more like uh or yo-yo is it felt like more like yo-yo was supposed to be like a harley quinn stand-in yeah the point where i thought i was like is that harley quinn and it took me a really long time to realize, like, no, it's a different character. It's not Harley Quinn. So just for originality of character, I'm going to give it to the top. That man, he loves tops. He loves spinning them. He loves throwing them. Uh, good for him. He knows what he's about. <laughs> okay. So uh, an improvisational snap judgment to piggyback off of that one. Love it. Who wins in a fight, Yo-Yo or Harley Quinn? I think Harley Quinn, definitely. I feel like while Yo-Yo was giving Harley Quinn energy, Harley Quinn is unhinged. And so, like, <laughs> you can never really know what Harley Quinn's going to do next. But, like, Yo-Yo, I feel like, is really committed to her Yo-Yo bit. <laughs> yeah. I think Harley is very committed to beating someone in a fight. So I think I think Harley would get that one, yeah. Uh, it turns out I'm like not super off base with the Harley Quinn comparisons because Mind the Gap says Yo-Yo is even voiced by, I think that's Hayden Walsh, who is a semi-regular Harley voice. So 
probably why it was giving Harley Quinn vibes. Do what you know. (laughs) Also, Rachel said, I think Wynn's dad also used a yo-yo to kill someone once. You could, you could strangle somebody, man. They they can be dangerous. That yo-yo can be dangerous. Yeah. You be careful with your (laughs) (laughs) yo-yos. And then Rachel also says a female version of the top was also in the flash season three, I think. Right. Yes, that that feels right. I don't have memories of it, but I believe it happened. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Which was the more brutal murder from Wonder Woman? We did talk about this. Uh, She she killed a lot of people in this movie. So was it when she killed Mara and she decapitated her and held up her head? Or was it when she killed little Billy Batson and maybe... All, all the, the Shazam other, kids, maybe all of the Shazam kids, but definitely little Billy Batson. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think after talking about the Shazam kids and how they're basically all uh, the same Shazam, I'm gonna go uh, with the brutal murder of uh, small children wrapped up in one small child. Small child. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think I gotta go with uh, with the murder of Billy Batson too, because I think you could make an argument if you were say a diana apologist and you were like (laughs) maybe mara had it coming Uh, (laughs) that mara attacked her first yes was defending herself maybe didn't need to decapitate her that seems a bit far she also didn't need to have an affair with mira's husband that definitely that that feels like a self-inflicted wound didn't need to do that either uh (laughs) but like the 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 Shazam kids were down. She like picks that kid up unconscious, <laughs> unconscious, and just like knifes him while he's with, like... with a broken sword too. Yeah, like no. not e- not even like a good sword, like a like a just a fragment of a sword. Truly, truly brutal, brutal, yeah. uh, <laughs> brutal action there from Diana. So I think that's unjustified. Uh, so I'm going Billy Batson. Okay, which team up story would you be more interested in reading? Lois Lane and Canterbury Cricket or Steve Trevor and Citizen Cold. Yeah. So in the new timeline, Captain Cold uh, is kind of taking the place of the Flash as the hero of uh, yeah. Um I, I think it's got to be Lois Lane and Canterbury Cricket. I, I, I'm sure they would get up to all kinds of shenanigans, lots of adventures. I, I would want to see that story. Um. Yeah, I think it's it's a no-brainer. I didn't even have to think about this uh, snap judgment. It was immediate. I was like, Canterbury Cricket's there. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we should my my two favorite characters, my two favorite DC characters, Lois Lane and Canterbury Cricket. <laughs> You don't have to sell me on that one. <laughs> you could you could write a whole story like playing off the Canterbury Tales. Oh my gosh! Like, you what could if do you so much? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, let's talk about this off air. But I think we should pitch this story. Like, we got it. We got to do. We this. need. We're we like, need. We need to work. People on this are <laughs> crying out for this. <laughs> <laughs> we need to. I, I think only we can bring this uh, to DC Comics. So let's let's, let's make this a goal to, to make that happen. All right. Well, I think that's going to take us out of Snap Judgments. No judgments on your Snap Judgments. Before we wrap up, I did want to bring up Brian's comment here because it it makes the murder of the Shazam kids even worse to me <gasps> somehow. Oh, no. Which is, <laughs> Brian says, if Mr. Tawny was part of Captain Thunder, then Wonder Woman also killed a cat. Which is unacceptable. I mean, <laughs> that really, truly no. is heinous. 
terrible, terrible, terrible. I'm going to ask Bunsen what he thinks about that later. He's <laughs> freezing right some... now, but he's oh. going to have some stuff to say. He finally went to sleep. He was like, he, I'm he... giving up on the uh, microphone cords. He's like, you know, he's like, you know, the life of the limelight. It's not for me. I got to go take a nap. <laughs> well, I'm sure he's going to have some real strong thoughts about Wonder Woman killing Tonky Tony. Tawny, Tawny, Mr. Tawny Tawny the cat, I think. Yes. Um, Well, uh, just truly heinous, Wonder Woman. I'm I'm glad the uh, timeline got fixed so that she's not uh, killing children and cats anymore. So that is good. All right. Well, I think uh, we need to get to some Supergirl Radio and some DC TV podcast plugs. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Podchaser, and Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the CW Supergirl TV series. We are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. If you like what we do, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy our Supergirl radio live streams, make sure to subscribe to the DC TV Podcast YouTube channel and hit that notification bell to get notified when we go live and wired dc tv podcast also has a t public store so if you are in need of new dc tv related t-shirts tank tops sweatshirts onesies mugs notebooks pillows or stickers go to supergirlradio.com and click on the t public store link at the top of the page hello and thank you for calling the dc tv podcast hotline please listen carefully as some of our menu options have changed supergirl radio press one the flash podcast press two legends of tomorrow podcast Press 3. The Lithuation Room? Press 4. DC on HBO Max Podcast? Press 5. Stargirl Podcast? Press 6. Superman and Lois Radio? Press 7. Green Lantern Podcast? Press 8. The Sandman Podcast? Press 9. Justice League Dark Podcast? Press 10. DC After Dark? Press 11. For all other inquiries, please stay on the line and the next available agent will be with you shortly. I think in the new year... Maybe we get some new plugs. I think we might have to. They're pretty yeah. pretty out of date. So maybe maybe we'll have a new plugs contest in the uh, coming twenty twenty four. Oh God, that that's scary. <laughs> that that's not that far away. <laughs> you know what else is scary in this one? Wonder Woman. And- <laughs> Transition. And since Wonder Woman murdered a young and defenseless Billy Batson, probably also all of his friends, and maybe a cat, we have some Shazam designs in the DC TV podcast T Public Store that we would like to suggest, um, you know, in case you are sad about it. Yeah. RIP to the Shazam family. <laughs> Uh, so we do have uh, some sh- Shazam merchandise in the DC TV podcast T public store. So if you would like to rep uh, the Captain Marvel Shazam family, uh, we have lots of cool designs in the store for you. Well, uh, we would also like to thank our legion of super sponsors for supporting the Supergirl Radio Patreon. These people are Michael, Anne-Marie, Yvonne, Quinn, Nicola, Abby, Mer- uh, Miriam, uh, Nicole, Brian, Ethan, Danny, 
Majuba and Lingonberry. If you would like to become a Legion of Super Sponsor, visit uh, patreon.com slash supergirlradio. And thank you for your support. If you would like to keep in touch with me, you can follow me on Instagram at the Derby Kid. And uh, I'm also on a platform called Vero True Social, which you can find out uh, what I've been reading or listening to or watching. Uh, you would see that recently I rewatched Justice League, the Flashpoint Paradox. So <laughs> that was something I posted How about. about that. <laughs> uh, and so I, uh, I think I posted about that. There were there were so, a couple of things that I posted about, and now I cannot remember. But I'm I if I have not posted that I watched the Flashpoint Paradox. I will make sure that I do. I like to keep up with everything I've been watching lately. Uh, I also have a personal YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod if you would like to follow me over there. Okay. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mojotastic. And you can also find me as a co-host on the Legendary Ladies podcast where we are going all in for spooky season. So we recently uh, did our top five horror movies. Uh, this week we talked about the uh, – 2000 i believe it was 2011 horror movie you're next um which i was like oh my god i remember digital cameras you carried around um and i believe uh next time around we're going to talk about crimson peak which is more of like gothic spooky horror which should be uh really fun so if you want to follow us through our spooky season you should uh definitely check us out on uh your favorite podcast provider you can also find us on youtube at youtube.com slash uh the legendary ladies where we are posting our live streams yeah uh i am very interested in your list uh i just remembered some things i was posting about on vero true social about some things i've been watching and two things i watched recently uh it, it kind of in the spooky season Ooh. feel even though i'm not like a scary movie person anymore i've been trying to catch up on tim burton movies that i have not oh, seen oh yeah they're, well, got, they're usually pretty spooky <laughs> i i got into a, a tim uh tim burton a little mini marathon over the weekend and i had seen sleepy hollow a long time oh ago. yeah sleepy hollow is fine i we watched it last year i think yeah. Uh, and it was fun because I hadn't seen it since probably since it came out. That's probably when I saw it. So it'd been a while, but uh, I rewatched that one. It was pretty good. And then I also watched Dark Shadows. I had never seen Dark Shadows. With, I, uh, I haven't seen that one, actually. It was actually pretty good. I mean, it was campy in bits, but uh, it, uh, it was very much a Tim Burton movie. It was interesting because it was Tim Burton comedy. Which is oh. uh, which is partly very strange for me. That yeah, I mean, some of his movies are more comedic, I think, but it's usually like a dark comedy, like where the comedy is more of like an undertone versus like a straight comedy. Although I will say, the first Tim Burton movie I ever saw was Pee Wee's Big Adventure, probably my favorite movie of all time. That's straight comedy. That's so I guess true. it's it's not. I guess I'm I guess I'm more used to nowadays the Tim Burton movies where it's like creepy and. Like a lot of them are about death, and I feel like and, Beetlejuice you know, is also kind of a comedy. It's it's comedy, but it's it's definitely a dark comedy. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, but Pee Wee's Big Adventure is just like st straight comedy. So really, I guess Tim Burton. I'll I'll, I'll remove that from the record. Scratch that from the record. <laughs> uh, Tim Burton movies have maybe always been uh, a little underlying comedic thread there so uh, i don't know why i was so surprised but uh dark shadows had uh, a good bit of comedy and 
uh, it was uh, done pretty well. So I would recommend it if you're interested in it. It had a pretty good cast as well. So uh, you would know that if you follow me on Vero True Social and keep up with what I'm watching. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. And Thomas Wayne's bedside manner sucks. Barry should find another doctor. McGurk! I love not typing. Not with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this show. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther? It's not just Lena being mean? No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Yeah!